Hello, med students. My name is Zach Olson, and thank you for downloading this special episode of the EM Clerkship Podcast. Before we start, I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, who you know very well by now, Pearson Ravitz Insurance. You need to be shopping for and purchasing your own personal disability insurance policy while in residency. This is very important. This will be your policy that you carry during your career that will cover you in case you get sick or injured and can't do your job anymore. You want an independent insurance agent like Pearson Ravitz to shop around between major companies and get you a good deal. But here's the thing. The sooner you buy disability insurance, the less it costs. That cheap policy that you get while young and healthy, that premium locks in. Other resident discounts lock in. It's one of those situations where the more you procrastinate, literally, the more you will pay monthly, forever. That's just how it works. I bought this as a resident. I recommend that you do too. Be smart. Save money. Don't wait to be protected until it's too late. Go to www.pearsonravits.com and set up a meeting to shop and compare some policies. Thank you to Pearson Rabbits for sponsoring this episode. Now let's do it. No deep dive this month. I got Mike's permission to do a special episode. We're going to talk about your favorite topic. Wellness. Yeah. I know this is your favorite, you guys. Come on. Love talking about wellness. Seriously, though, I had this idea. With New Year's coming up, I wanted to give you five ideas for resolutions that you can easily implement. These are things that I have done myself, not necessarily on New Year's because I'm not like a big New Year's resolution guy actually, but I have actually done these things. They have been tremendously impactful on my life. Now, all five of them are impactful and I think you're going to need to do all of them. I hope you do, but I'm going to rank them from least impactful and we're going to go all the way up to, to the stuff that no question every student, resident, physician, I think should adopt. And heads up, I'm probably going to ramble. So if that's not your thing and you like the short, concise episodes, then just pull up some old stuff. Take a break for this week. This is very long form and rambly. Also, if you get triggered, it's kind of intentional and I don't care. This is not a safe space for you this week. I'm here to actually give you advice from an attending to you as a student in good faith in the hope that your life gets better. And again, I have done all of these things myself. I can vouch for them and I am confident you will disagree with some of them and you can go ahead and send your emails to Zach at emclerkship.com. All right. So I said five things, but there's a runner up because there's really six and five just sounds better. So we're going to start off with our runner up. Get off of all the mainstream media. I recently got a subscription to The Economist for my birthday. So The Economist is this weekly international magazine, kind of has a slight bent towards financial topics, which is an area of interest to me, but it's, it's very broad. And what was shocking, as I've never had, I've never bought anything like this before. What was shocking was how good the journalism in this magazine was. How many things were actually going on in the world that weren't even like close to being on my radar. And it was clearly explained and it was intellectually stimulating. And when you compare that to what you see on TV, CNN, Fox, CNBC, MSNBC, all that stuff, you will immediately realize how all these mainstream media channels are complete trash. You think you're staying up to date and that you're staying current by watching this stuff. You're in the know, right? These outlets don't even scratch the, the surface of issues 
or ideas or current events in the world. And the stuff that they do cover is spun partisan garbage. You can watch it if you want to. It just makes you stupider. So New Year's resolution, runner up. Just watch Rick and Morty like me. Spare yourself from the swampy waste of mental real estate that is the mainstream media. You will not regret it. Get something like The Economist if you really want to stay up to date on current events. I'm sure there's other great publications out there that you can read as well. But you're not, you're not getting some in-depth stuff on what's going on in Indonesia from CNN, right? Like, it's just not happening. Okay. Now we're getting into our top five. Number five. Have you heard this phrase, sober curious? There's so much I could talk about here. So I, I used to drink like a lot of alcohol. Love it. Um, and there's actually a reason for that. I'll get into that in a, in a second. I think one of the, the great ironies right now in emergency medicine, like as you know, in emergency medicine, everyone drinks. Everyone drinks alcohol constantly. All of the drunkest times I've ever been where I woke up the next morning and was sick and didn't want to be alive we're at emergency medicine conferences, okay? Like, I'm not even kidding. The real irony is that right now with, like, wellness events, they all incorporate alcohol. Like, I'm not sure whose idea is this, as if alcohol makes you, it's like a good coping mechanism. Like, you're doctors. Like, we, we went hundreds of thousand dollars in debt only to drink alcohol to cope. <laughs> like, it's it's un freaking believable. You can actually, in emergency medicine, you can't even do emergency medicine activities if you don't drink. Where I'm at right now, I just don't go to stuff because it is, it is purely, we are going to, to tap rooms that don't even serve food. Like it is, it is alcohol and only alcohol unless you want a glass of water. Like they don't even have like, you can't even get like a Coke or something. It is alcohol only. And the, I, I put this at about number five. So I read this book, so I actually heard about it on Joe Rogan podcast. Nikki Glaser was talking about how she was a comic and how she drank alcohol way too much and she'd be sick and she'd regret it and then she'd keep drinking, right? And so she talked about this book called The Easy Way to Control Alcohol by Alan Carr. And so I'm listening to her talk and I kind of resonated with some of what she was saying. And so I bought this book, uh, the audiobook. Actually, I didn't read the book. I bought the audiobook and listened to it um, to and from shifts twice actually. And here's the funny thing about this book is you can actually drink alcohol while reading it. Like it doesn't say like you need to quit alcohol. It's some weird, like mental jujitsu. I don't know. It's like brainwashing or something, but you, you drink while reading it. And then you get to the end of this book and he goes like, have another drink. And you're like, I don't want it. <laughs> like it's this really bizarre thing. Like you don't even feel like you're losing something when you stop alcohol, like your craving for it just goes away. You know, I suppose if someone's been drinking like their whole life and, and, you know, they're the bottle of vodka a day, people are like, okay, you're going to deal with some withdrawal issues and things like that. I wasn't at that, that stage of alcohol use, but I, I never imagined myself in a position where I want look forward to it at the end of the day and things like that. And by the end of this book, I actually did it twice. I didn't even crave alcohol. Most bizarre thing, easy way to control alcohol by Alan Carr. So many things are better. Like my energy levels are better. So I used to, I like sometimes if I drank a lot, like I would wake up in the middle of the night and then I'd get this weird, like whatever you call it, like a late insomnia. Wouldn't be able to fall back asleep because my mind would just go on. You actually enjoy food more when you don't drink. It's it's this weird thing. Like I enjoy my meals way more now, not trying to figure out what I'm going to drink with it. It's just, it's just a different way of looking at it. I highly recommend this whole kind of sober curious thing. And if you don't like it and you read the book and you want to keep drinking, that's fine. I drink occasionally now, but one of the things I've noticed without, 
uh, being too, too like, oh, look at me. I quit alcohol. So my mind, I don't know if I have ADD or something. I've never seen a psychiatrist or anything like that. Um, but my mind doesn't stop. Like it's always, it always goes. And I've made that adaptive and I do things like this podcast and I do things at work. My mind never, never stops. And I think that there's probably a little bit of like a medic self-medicating that was happening at night where I would drink alcohol just because it was the only way I could like take it down a couple notches. And it's even worse now, probably what was happening is I would take it down a couple notches and it would wear off and I'd wake up and then all of those thoughts would spin in the middle of the night. So that doesn't happen. I actually sleep through the night now, but it's, you know, I'll sit there and I'll, I mentioned Rick and Morty before, like it's a 30 minute, not even 25 minutes of Rick and Morty, right? Highly engaging. It's my favorite show. And I can't even like, I, I pause it on the commercials just because I can't break out of my, how much my brain is going. So I think alcohol kind of tamed that down. That's one thing that I miss. Um, but anyways, yeah, number five, consider stopping alcohol. Uh, I recommend the easy way to control alcohol by Alan Carr, and it'll kind of reframe the way you think about this. Um, and again, just any wellness director who is turning their wellness events into alcohol drinking events, like they should just be fired, like flat, like if your event is so bad that the only way people can get through it is by getting like shit faced, you should not be the wellness director. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Like alcohol is not, it's not a healthy way to cope. You guys are, come on your doctors. Okay. Number four, put on your phone. I put a phone limit on there so you can do like a screen time limit. So there was a period of time where I was like, I'm spending so much time on my phone. You can look on there. You'll be like, I spent five hours on my phone yesterday. Like, What's going on? I actually considered going back to a flip phone. I was like one of those people, like maybe I'll be cool and I'll just go to a flip phone. Not possible. Like there's too many like things. It's it, your phone is too ingrained with too much of society, even like multi-factor authentication stuff at work. And just, you can't completely get rid of the smartphone at this point. Unfortunately, you go on trips, like you need to get an Uber, right? Or a Lyft or whatever your, your company is, unless you want to pay like $70 for a one mile taxi ride as the driver turns the car on and off, you know, that kind of thing. So you can't go to a flip phone. I considered bringing it down to like 10 core apps, but even that, like so much of your phone are these one-off apps that you use like every six months. Like it's like rewards programs. Like, I don't know. I want my I want 50 cents off my McDonald's fries. Like, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll use my little app to get my 50 cents off. You know, so it's a lot of that kind of stuff. So the, the solution that I had to phone time was actually putting on a limit. I tried a one hour phone limit that's extremely aggressive. You can try doing a one hour. I cannot get down to one hour unless I'm literally on my phone only for, for calls and texts and emails. So I do all my work through my phone. So like even just responding to emails and some of that kind of stuff that, that in and of itself is one hour. I mean, there's no reading a blog post or anything like that. Um, two hours is what I feel like is about the right, the right length. What you will find is that two hours will trigger like, so I have an iPhone, so it will trigger towards the end of the day and it'll say, yeah, your two hours is up and it, bla it blacks out or it kind of grays out all the apps. You can still open stuff. You just have to click the button that says bypass for 15 minutes or bypass for the rest of the day and that kind of thing. And you can put apps on like an exclusion list and kind of personalize this. But um, what I find is it makes you more cognizant of the times you go on your phone where you're just kind of mentally wasting time. So for example, like when you get to the end of the day and it's like, you have to click like a, oh, ignore for 15 minutes, but you're not going to do that for like a YouTube short 
comedy piece that's 60 seconds. You start to realize how those little things add together. And it does kind of get you. I've noticed that my screen, my average screen time, even though I bypass as much as I want, it has trended down. And I am sitting right around like two hours and 15 minutes a day, um, maybe around like 100 pickups a day, somewhere in there, which isn't great. But it's it's a lot better than I was doing. So I highly recommend using some of those screen time settings. They, they help you more than you think. It puts you back in the real world. That's the benefit of doing this. People, emergency medicine people are like, oh, there's so many interruptions, all the people handing me EKGs on shift. No, look at the number of pickups you have on your phone. The biggest interruption is not people handing you EKGs. It's you checking your phone, every little ding. Like, it's a lot. You pick up your phone a lot, okay? <laughs> and it, it brings you back into the real world when you're not on your phone constantly. All the swerving drivers who are texting and driving, and, you're, and they look like just normal people. Like, they are, they're completely oblivious to the fact that they almost just killed me and my family, right? But it's because the phone like just sucks them out of, of reality. Um, I, I went to the restaurant at a restaurant the other day. I was at Cheesecake Factory with my family and there was like someone there making a Facebook post or something. And it was this picture of them and their whole group at the Cheesecake Factory. And they're all smiling, laughing and making funny faces. And they're all making this post with that. And every single one of them, it looked like they had just received, like had overdosed on Botox. Like their faces were like flat and they were just completely like the, the lights were off. And then I walked behind them. So I'm like, this is crazy. Like all these people are sitting here and they're just on their phone. I look and they're making this post where their face is all lively. It's just like this weird, bizarre, just... I don't know. We're on our phones way too much. It, it's a useful tool, but I would recommend doing like a screen time thing just to naturally pull yourself towards a, an average that you would like to hit. Again, you can bypass it if you want. It's not hard. You don't have to like turn it on and off. There's just a button that says, are you sure you want to keep looking at your phone? It's been two hours. And you're like, yeah, I really want to, you know, whatever, read this blog post or something. Okay. So that's number four. Number three. Oh, this is going to be controversial. This one, some of you will get stuck on um, along the same lines of a phone and mainstream media. I would just delete your social media. I would just get rid of it. Because so some concerns. So when I did this, I was like, well, what about all my photos and everything that I'm basically hosting on there? So all of these sites, it's like a privacy law thing. Like they have to give you access to your data. So most of them make it very easy. They will give you all your posts in a file. They'll give you all your pictures back in a big file. Usually when you delete, they don't want you to delete. So they give you like 30 days to change your mind before they actually completely like erase your, your data. Um, and if you get off social media for 30 days, trust me, you're not going to go back on because you're going to realize social media is trash. But there, I mean, there's so many issues with social media that I noticed as soon as I got off. Well, so like one, so specifically on Instagram, when you go to, and I was looking at how to delete all my data and get off of it, their number one thing that they post is, is if you're having issues with eating disorders and, and depression, I think like social medias have to, they have to post this stuff on top of their terms of use because everyone is posting these polished, perfect edited, you know, filtered photos of their life. And it makes you like legitimately depressed. Like it makes you feel fat. It gives you eating disorders, things like that. So that's one problem with it. Another reason, um, I think this is a huge scourge on society is it's like intentionally designed to be a giant echo chamber, right? It's, it, it shows you and puts, it's trying to keep your attention and keep your time. So it's showing you posts of, things that you either think are completely ridiculous and will infuriate you because it knows you'll respond or things that you really like so that it'll cause you to like, right? But it's it's intentionally putting you down a path of being emotionally triggered, basically. 
So if you find yourself thinking a lot like, I can't believe those people, you know, and, and there's all sorts of people that, that inflame you, that, you guys, is not healthy. And that is certainly not sustainable in emergency medicine where you have to deal with, with a diverse patient population. You need to delete your social media and go and talk to those people. And what you will find is you will have a lot more in common than you have a part. And, and it's just you've spent so much time on social media that it has, it has thrown you down your separate little echo chamber. And it's just – it's completely – it's just complete. Social media is disgusting to me. It's, I mean, there's the issue. So it's superficial social interaction at best. It's like the junk food equivalent of like truly connecting. People will say, oh, it helps me connect with long lost friends and stuff. Like, no, like it's okay to have friends for a season of life and lose touch. Like it's okay to just move on and then reconnect later. You need to actually be talking and having FaceTime and visiting the people that that are that you care about okay you can't just be like like there's no i don't feel like there's a community benefit to like clicking a like button this to me was one of the biggest benefits of getting off as someone who's already introverted believe it or not has difficulty with social interactions and i still do as soon as i got off the social media my social interactions got better because unless i talk to somebody at work or unless i talk to that person in the elevator or something like that, right? Like there's, or unless I have a conversation with my patient uh, about whatever, like there's, I don't get that kind of like cheap community junk food that you get from being on social media. And so I find that I actually connected with patients better because they would tell me things that I didn't know. I'd be like, tell me about it. Like it helped me, it helped me with my interpersonal interactions as an introvert to get off social media. Do not, do not shortcut it and allow yourself just to like thumbs up something like that. It's not, it's not healthy, you guys. Um, Another big, so it's a massive privacy nightmare, especially for you as doctors. So you will get lots of patients in your career that are completely batshit nuts, okay? And they are totally, they will look you up. They will learn all your personal business. They'll do all this creepy shit, right? Like they'll find your kids and like you, you, it's a privacy just, oh my God. Like the amount of things that you are putting on there as doctors, like, you do not want patients seeing some of that and, oh, yeah, they can find it. And the other issue is that it's it's just so – it's designed to be addictive. It's designed to hold your attention for as long as possible so they can subconsciously float ad after ad after ad and sell your attention so that they can get rich as you waste your time. It is It is a giant – waste of time. Just delete it. Social media is a scourge or Hey, whatever you disagree, stay on, waste your life. Just know that you're not going to see me and lots of other really, um, lots of other people on there. Not everyone is on social media and many of you should get off. And I know that makes me sound old, but Hey, you know, you do your thing. Okay. Number two, this one's another controversial one. I would imagine Intermittent fasting. So this one was really impactful for me. So there's this book called Obesity Code by Jason Fung that you should really read. This whole like you need to be eating six meals a day, breakfast is your most important meal, eat this artificial low-fat bar stuff, like it's total, total BS. Keep in mind like America is run – 
it's like all capitalism here, right? And so this is the food industry trying to get you to eat all day and buy foods that have huge margin instead of eating natural foods that they don't profit as much from. And so that's kind of part of what they talk about in this book. But intermittent fasting really unlocked this for me. Since you don't eat constantly, it immediately makes you more conscious of how foods make you feel. So if you eat some like, again, like some low fat, highly processed bar that has some like vitamins added in that say like health, it's like the health brand, right? Um, you know, for breakfast or lunch. And you'll, you'll notice that 30 minutes later, you're hungry. If you go and you have on an empty stomach and you're, you're, it's time to eat and you go and you have some ice cream or something, you will feel sick. Like it, you're like, I, I can eat ice cream, but it really has to come after something, some vegetables or something like it just because you will actually feel sick to your stomach. It, it reteaches your body how to recognize food. The, the, the whole thing with intermittent fasting is you want to eat right. You want to eat less often and your body definitely needs a time where you don't eat at all. Like it's okay to not eat. You actually wait. There's this whole, the, he uses the analogy in the book. It's the, what is it? Like the the hungry wolf, sleepy lion, right? So when you, it's fight or flight, rest or digest. When you're eating, you're actually bringing yourself down a few notches as far as your ability to sustain attention, your mental acuity. I don't know if you've ever done like, so I've done like actually a long fast for spiritual reasons. That's a whole different thing than this. But you'll notice that two to three days into that, you're awake, you're sleeping less, you are highly, highly productive. There's stories of people like in prisoner of war camps where they're being starved and they would learn like whole languages in like a week, right? It's that kind of thing. Like your brain just turns up because it, it thinks it needs to find food. And so I've noticed that when I started incorporating this on shift, so like I wait to eat until the end of my shift. Not only am I not wasting my time trying to eat when I could be seeing a patient or discharging a patient or something like that. So it saves time there. But like, I'll have nurses that'll buy me food or something. They'll be like, "Hey, you know, you we heard you haven't eaten all day. You poor thing. Like, have uh, have this sandwich or you know whatever. We have a potluck, and like every single time, I can feel my energy level drift dr uh, drop off like a half hour, hour after that, and I, I slow down and I can see my lengths of stay like increasing. It's all on the board now. You can see how long patients are there." I'm telling you, like it slows you down on shift. So not only do you lose, it helps you control your weight or lose weight if you need to lose weight. And it helps you eat healthier foods by just naturally making your body not feel good when it eats unhealthy stuff, right? You're not eating highly processed. I mean, you can eat highly processed foods. I certainly do. Like I'm not, that's not really the point of intermittent fasting, but it makes me feel terrible now. So then I don't do it again the next day. I'm like, oh man, I need like some beans or, you know, like green beans or something or fruit or a steak or, you know, things that are a little more sustaining. Um, so anyways, intermittent fasting, that's number two. And then number one, this is one that I've only started doing within the last few months. And I cannot believe how much of my life wasted because I did not do this sooner. Every single one of you guys, you need to get a good therapist. <laughs> Here's the thing, because in my head, I mean, we say whatever we want, we, we champion like, oh, you need to take care of yourself. But the truth is, we always think of people that have issues as the ones going to counseling, and we don't like to admit that we have issues. But you don't. Even, it's not even about the issues that you have. Like, that's not it. So like what a therapist can do is 
there was this one night where I was all anxious about something and I lost sleep over it. A totally reasonable like life event, but it just bothered me because I was losing sleep. And I was like, is there some way that that was what my original appointment was. I was like, is there, is there a different way of thinking about this or something so that I, I sleep better? What you will find as a doctor, you're not, you always have to filter. You always have to be professional. You're always at risk of, you know, getting in trouble if you say this or a patient complains about this or something. The, the freedom of talking to somebody that is bound by HIPAA and you're their patient and you get to tell them whatever crazy stuff is floating through your head and they can't say anything. If they like you can you can open up to them just about things that stress you out. Uh, first of all, it is worth the money in and of itself just to be able to talk to somebody that you can't talk to other people about um, and you can't have other people overhearing per se or have other people knowing. So that's one thing. The other thing is like, these are, all they do is like talk and and learn cognitive behavioral therapy and identifying core values and things like that, or not core value. What's the term? Core beliefs. Anyways. um, So you you sit there and they'll just start asking you questions, right? Like, tell me how you feel. Okay. That's like the classic. You're laying on the couch. My therapist, I actually get to lay on the couch. I sit on the couch, but you they sit there and they'll say things like, you know what you said? Cause I'll talk for 15 minutes. I'm a podcaster. I talk constantly. So obviously they're my poor therapist, right? I never shut up, but, um, they'll say, you know what you said 10 times? Have you ever noticed that you use this phrase a lot? You know, just things like that, like a complete professional. They're not there to be your friend. They are just listening and analyzing you. And you'd be like, I did not realize that I said that. And they'd be like, why do you think that? You know? And so it, they, it's like this, they show you your cognitive blind spots. You don't go because you have some sort of issue that they need to identify. Everyone probably does. You go because you get to look a professional in the face and they're going to show you things that you didn't realize necessarily about yourself. And it makes your life better because then you have, it reprograms your way of thinking and processing the things in life that are most stressful to you. Again, you don't need to go to therapy just because you're, you're suicidal or something, right? You can go and just say like, this stresses me out. And all of a sudden they'll say, well, what if, so I've done a lot of work with my therapist on dealing with, um, like small talk and mingling. Cause I have to do all these little events and stuff for work and I hate them. You guys, I, I cannot do it. And he, he, he gives me tricks to help to carry on some conversations with people, small talk type stuff. He gives me, he tells me how to get out. He gives me challenges. Like you have to go and talk to this random person for five. You know, it's just, it's fun. It is very, very useful. I have found having a good counselor that is professional. Again, you're not trying, it's completely private. You can tell them whatever the heck you want, more or less. And you, they, they are professionally, they treat you as a professional, not as like a patient. They're not trying to like suck up to you. That's one of the things as a doctor, like, you know, everyone starts laughing at your jokes. Okay. It's so annoying. Like, I know my joke's not funny. It wasn't even, it was a total dud of a joke. Don't laugh at that. Oh, see, now I know you just fake laugh at everything I say. Like, it's terrible. So you to just go there and have someone that's professional. You crack a joke and they say, like, why'd you put a joke there? <laughs> you know, it's refreshing. Um, so those are my top five in the runner-up. So the runner-up being get off mainstream media. And then five being stop alcohol. Four, put a phone limit on your phone. Three, delete your social media. Two, consider intermittent fasting and one find yourself a good counselor that can help you process just things that make you anxious or things that make you sad and just make sure that you're processing everything in the most efficient appropriate way uh my stress levels since going to see i mean it's it's tanked like 
it in a good way. Like it's so much lower since I've started going to a, a, a good therapist because it's just, it changes the way that you interact with certain situations and um, it makes me a better doctor. So anyways, that wraps it up. Send all your angry emails to Zach at emclerkship.com. And uh, I hope you have a great 2023 until next time. Keep working hard, keep studying, and be sure to enjoy your shift.